0: Welcome to Qualgen's Podcast, where we talk about all things health and wellness related, including hormones, pharmaceuticals, health trends, and ways you can help better your life. Hi, everyone. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen in. Today, I am joined by Dr. Michael Ambrose, a board certified medical doctor and chiropractor who specializes in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and hormone optimization for men and women, peptide therapy, as well as medical weight loss. Dr. Ambrose, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: I am happy to have you here. So what is your background in medicine and what made you decide to get more into the integrative medicine field?
1: Yeah, so I have kind of a different path that path than most medical doctors. I actually went to chiropractic school and about halfway through chiropractic school I realized that I wanted to become a medical doctor because you know being a chiropractor is very limited in how you can help patients. So I ultimately I worked for a year and a half as a chiropractor, then when decided to go back to medical school. And I decided to do a a residency in internal medicine, which led me to starting my career as an internal medicine doctor in a hospital and and also working in the hospital as a hospitalist. But I just wasn't satisfied with the way patients, you know, had outcomes. They're throwing medicine at patients and people weren't getting better. You know, it it just wasn't very satisfying. So I ultimately came back into a middle ground between chiropractic and internal medicine and got into more of a functional medicine, nutritional approach, and also hormone replacement therapy. And I've found that, you know, hormone replacement therapy is probably the biggest factor that helps patients feel better and gets them, you know, more satisfied with medicine in general. So that's how yeah. I ended up here.
0: You've really done it all.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh man. I know I feel like we've seen more and more chiropractic offices that have kind of moved into this, you know, almost like a med spa type of yes. deal. It's um, the best of both worlds, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of that is a, is a business model that that works for them. But I think as a chiropractor, you're always trying to look for different things that can help patients as well.
0: When it comes to hormone replacement therapy, I know that there are so many different hormones that need to be looked at to be completely balanced. So what hormones are your primary focus when someone comes in with symptoms of a hormone imbalance?
1: Yeah. So for most of my similar, but varies depending on if it's a man or a woman, but for women, for example, I'll check uh, all three of the estrogen hormones. So there's a lot of doctors don't even realize this, but there's actually three types of estrogen. There's estrone or E1, E2, which is also estradiol or E3, which is estriol. I'll also check progesterone and testosterone. Um, And then I'll also check DHEA, which is a precursor to some of the sex hormones. And I'll also check cortisol and thyroid. And in some of my patients, I'll check you know, growth hormone and ILGF1, which is insulin-like growth factor 1, depending upon what symptoms they're having. And in, in men, I typically will check testosterone, free and total, and also their estrogen level and obviously thyroid and cortisol as well.
0: So I feel like testosterone is the main hormone that everyone wants to look at and talk about. And so many people don't realize how much it can control. Can you give a breakdown on testosterone, what it controls and what symptoms can look like for women and women and or men if they have low testosterone?
1: Yeah. So men, it's easy. You know, if Mm -hmm. if they're having fatigue issues, uh, mental fogginess, uh, aging of the brain, you know, feeling like they're just not their old self. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they'll have erectile dysfunction or lack of libido. You know, those are the predominant symptoms that I see in men, low testosterone. And for women, most of my patients, you know, are perimenopausal or in their late 30s, early 40s, something like that. There's really three different pathways, predominantly two, that they can you know, go into menopause. So we always define menopause as being one year without menses, which is usually around 51, you know, plus or minus age group, something like that. But women can have symptoms of perimenopause 10, 15, even 20 years earlier. Oh wow. And the predominant sex hormones for women are obviously estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Mm -hmm. But most patients will actually drop their testosterone first. So they'll have very similar symptoms to men. You know, I hear mental fogginess a lot or mental clarity issues, even trouble sleeping or insomnia, although that Mm -hmm. could also be a progesterone deficiency problem. But libido, sex drive, fatigue, weight gain, those are all symptoms of low testosterone. So a lot of patients, female patients in their 30s and early 40s, sometimes will need some testosterone to help minimize those symptoms. So, you know, the the point I'm trying to make is that we think of menopause as being an estrogen problem, having hot flashes and night sweats, which is accurate, but that's almost the last symptom that shows up. It tends to be the driver that gets people into into the doctor's office. But 10, 15, 20 years prior to that, they may have some of these other testosterone-related symptoms and they need some testosterone therapy to help alleviate some of those symptoms. The other component of this is low progesterone in women as well. That's probably the second most common symptom that women will get prior to going into menopause. And and a lot of that could be anxiety, trouble sleeping, or waking up frequently at night, sometimes some depression. So a lot of those symptoms can be related to progesterone deficiency. So the most common abnormality I see in perimenopause or early menopause is low T and women and also low progesterone before they even get to estrogen like symptoms you know low estrogen symptoms like hot flashes and night sweats so it just goes to show you that balancing your hormones can start in your in your early 30s even you know
0: yeah i didn't realize that perimenopause could be caused that early i am 29 and i actually had my hormones checked of while back this year. And my testosterone was at a 29, I think, yep. or something, or 30, maybe, I don't know, something along those lines. So I did not know that's what it could be the cause of.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it depends on what your symptoms are. And it depends mm-hmm. on a lot of different things. The biggest thing that I've seen that screws up the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian access, which is the hormonal access is stress. And that stress comes in, in multiple facets of life, whether it's poor nutritional content in our diet, highly processed foods, uh, emotional stress, financial stress, work stress, all of those things tend to raise cortisol and decrease production of hormones. So Mm -hmm. I'd even, I've I've seen patients in their mid and late twenties before with a testosterone of zero. And, and when you take oral contraceptive pills for one reason or another, that tends to screw up the hormone access as well. So- synthetic synthetic hormones can do that
0: yeah and i was on those for about 10 years so (laughs) that would probably explains
1: a little bit of it there yeah
0: yeah probably so i've always wondered why providers when they're giving that to you know young women why they never explain you know any of the long-term effects or any of the side effects at all it's just
1: well a lot of the a lot of times we're not taught that even in med school and residency. And when I was in med school and residency and did my OBGYN rotation, basically we had a 20 or 30 minute conversation on hormone replacement therapy for menopause. And it was all based off of the Women's Health Initiative study. And it was just like, use hormones sparingly, use them for severe cases, and then try to get patients off them as soon as possible. When a lot of that information couldn't be further from the actual truth when, when yeah. you're treating patients. So,
0: well, when you're dealing with like you said the synthetic hormones from years upon years ago that were causing issues compared to what we have now, it's a different story. You got it. So, what about estrogen? I know you mentioned it earlier, the different types. What are those different types? What do they do and what are the benefits of getting estrogen replacement?
1: Yeah, so the there's really three types: E1, which is estrone, E2, which is estradiol, and E3, which is estriol. So, we'll break those down independently here: estrone, is the predominant type of estrogen that's available in the body for women after menopause. It's a weak estrogen to the cellular functions of the body. However, it's considered the bad estrogen. Uh, It's believed in in some studies that this might be the estrogen that's related to to certain types of cancer that women will get, breast cancer, cervical cancer, things like that, or um, endometrial cancer, sorry, uh, later on in life. So it typically is the predominant estrogen that is in the body as women get older. E2, which is estradiol. This is, is the highest concentration whenever you first go through puberty and then all the way up until menopause. It's believed to be sort of neutral, you know, with respect to having estrogen related cancers but it's also the strongest hormone that binds to the estrogen receptor in the cell and then finally E3 which is estriol, it's a weak est- has a weak estrogenic effect it seems to be protective against cancer and it may help with converting some of that estrone which is E1 into a non cancer causing estrogen like molecule so really the only two types of estrogens That you want to be replacing in women is estradiol and estriol, which is E2 and E3, okay? Mm -hmm. And there's things you can do from a dietary standpoint and also a supplemental standpoint to help balance the bad and the good estrogens within the body number 1 is eating a healthy diet and lowering you know stress in your diet predominantly eating cruciferous vegetables so broccoli cabbage lettuces things like that
0: everything everyone hates
1: yeah <laughs> all your all the stuff we are Parents and grandparents are trying to feed us when we were kids, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, but that contains some different molecules in it, like sulforaphane, DIM, which I'm sure you've heard about before, and mm-hmm. I3C, which is indole-3-carbinol. It's been shown to help balance the negative effects of estrone in the, in the body as well.
0: Oh, wow. Have you seen the supplements where it's like the greens, where it has su- apparently all of those supplements just like broken down into a powder yeah. that you drink? Does that actually work?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if you're getting, so typically, and they're all, all, what they're doing is they're basically grinding up Mm -hmm. those fruits and vegetables that they're putting into a powder form and they're, they're pulling off all the powder from that and dehydrating it out. Mm -hmm. So taking out all the water content and yeah, you are getting, you know, some of the good compounds in there, like we discussed. Uh, but there's really no better way to do it than directly eating right. <laughs> you know, fruits and vegetables because you're getting a lot more fiber with it as well. And we now know that uh, fiber itself is probably the biggest driver of a healthy microbiome in your gut, and mm-hmm. which can affect neurotransmitters and you know, depression and a whole host of things. It also helps, you know, sequestering toxins and preventing colon cancer. And do I supplement with some of these things? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, the best way to get your nutrient products is from food.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I was just curious because I know that it's out there and I see it all the time and I've even used it myself a couple of times, but the, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this actually doing anything? Is yeah. this actually helping? I have a green
1: and reds formula that I use and I recommend to patients and you know, I'll, I'll mix it with a smoothie in the mornings with my yeah. berries and stuff like that. So I, yeah, it, it, is it doing a whole lot? Who knows? But I think right. it's sort of peace of mind. you yeah. know,
0: Probably better than nothing. <laughs> yeah. So back on the topic of estrogen, do men need estrogen at all?
1: So yes, here's why men are predominantly driven by testosterone. But most of my patients that are on testosterone, I will put them on aromatase inhibitor, which prevents the conversion of testosterone into estrogen. Mm -hmm. And what I have found, and and it's also in some of the, the literature, which is scant, is that patients... You know, men that have estrogen that's really, really, really low will sometimes have some moodiness because of, in relationship to the testosterone, it's low and the testosterone is high, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we want to balance, just like in women, we want to balance all three hormones or mostly estrogen and progesterone and make sure their testosterone is okay. In men, we're trying to balance the testosterone and the estrogen. Think of them as sort of competing with each other on the same receptor, even though that's. An oversimplification. There's a sweet spot of estrogen within men as well. If the estrogen gets too high, it'll negate some of the positive effects of testosterone, or patients might experience erectile dysfunction or libido issues because the estrogen is too high compared to the testosterone. Or if it's too low, sometimes you get similar complaints, or sometimes they get moody because the testosterone is really acting unopposed. But uh, there's some evidence in some early literature that supports if the estrogen level is too high, it might be a risk for developing prostate issues, you know BPH. I don't know if there's a link to cancer yet, mm-hmm. uh, but you want to make sure that that estrogen is in that sweet spot for men.
0: So what happens if it's way too low? What can you do to supplement that?
1: So usually if it's way too low, it's because the aromatase inhibitor that, that patients will get, which is called Arimidex um, sure. or nastrozol, is too high. You just need to space that out or lower the dose of a
0: I got you. And then the body will just naturally make it, hopefully. <laughs>
1: yeah. So in men, there's the aromatase enzyme will actually convert some testosterone into estrogen.
0: Oh. Okay. What is the purpose of progesterone and what can symptoms look like if someone's progesterone levels are imbalanced?
1: Yeah, so predominantly with women that's what we're looking at. You know, this is a fairly common phenomenon as well, and I see this in younger patients that aren't younger female patients that aren't in menopause yet. In the normal cycling female, the progesterone is is there to help prepare the lining for pregnancy and then also the drop in progesterone along with the estrogen drop will also, you know, trigger menses in women. There's actually a higher concentration of progesterone receptors in the brain than anywhere else in the body. So there's a lot of anxiety, depression, trouble sleeping that can occur if the progesterone is out of balance or most most of the time it's too low compared to estrogen. And it's a condition called progesterone deficiency or estrogen dominance. So by supplementing, I've had patients that come into my office and they're having, they're young and they're having these symptoms. They're even having some hot flashes and progesterone helps the estrogen receptor do its job. So you give a little bit of progesterone and they actually feel better with respect to their, their mental health, their ability to get a good, good night's rest and sleep appropriately. Um and they just feel better. So progesterone is probably one of the most overlooked hormones in the female patient for sure. Another another thing that progesterone can do is and it helps with diuresis. So if patients, you know, female patients off a lot of times with cycling issues uh-huh. or abnormal cycles, they'll retain water or notice that their you know their ankles get puffy or their hands get puffy. If you take a little bit of progesterone, sometimes that will help have a diuretic effect and minimize some of that swelling and puffiness.
0: Interesting. If you start supplementing progesterone for a woman that is premenopausal, would that affect the cycle at all?
1: So you, yes, you have to kind of, you know, know what you're doing with hormones. Um, yeah. What I typically will do, you can sometimes use a low dose continuously, but you do want to make sure that Females are having their cycle or having a breakthrough cycle. A lower dose, 25, 50 milligrams, even up to 100 milligrams sometimes won't affect their cycle. But what I will typically do if it's a cycling woman is I will just add progesterone either in the latter half of the cycle where the progesterone tends to be higher and you want that balance between the progesterone and the estrogen. Mm -hmm. Or you can do it between like day 7, 10, up to 28, something like that. It just kind of depends on each individual patient. And communicating with them, making sure they're having a cycle at least every few months or cycling it where their progesterone would be the highest in their cycle naturally. And then they stop it and take a holiday, have their cycle and then go back on the progesterone.
0: That makes sense. Again, why it's so important to find a doctor who (laughs) wants to listen to you and wants to help.
1: Yeah, you got that correct. That's for sure.
0: So what are the thyroid-related hormones and how important are they to keep balanced?
1: Yeah, so I check my thyroid profile on every single patient and that includes total T3 and T4. So well the thyroid makes two separate hormones. One's a a T3 molecule and one's a T4 molecule. And the T3 is more biologically active, tends to regulate metabolism, metabolism a little bit more. T4 is a little more dormant or less active in the body. It tends to not drive metabolism as much. And the body has the capability in most people to convert T4 to T3 via an enzyme called diodinase. But you want to make sure that T3 and T4 are balanced in the thyroid patient. So I check free and total T3 and T4. Then I also check check a TSH in all my patients. And then based upon those levels, then I might recommend either a natural supplement like Armour Thyroid or MP Thyroid or or even synthetics or depending on what the patient wants, you can use you know either Levothyroxine or Tyrosine or some sort of lyothyronine, which is a T3 molecule. So, and then follow up, you definitely want to make sure that the patient's TSH is not overly suppressed. I've had several patients come into my office that were seen by other functional medicine doctors that weren't as careful and their TSH was very suppressed and they were tachycardic and having side effects and tachycardia is elevated heart rate. So thyroid medicine, you just have to be careful with and not over-treat. And balancing your T34 to help patients, you know, feel the best.
0: Is it possible to have your, you know, say your testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, whoever you're looking at? Is it possible for those hormones to be balanced if your thyroid's imbalanced? Uh,
1: it, it's possible if you're especially if you're on treatment, because you can do, you know, you can adjust those with medications, uh, but they they do feed off each other. So the thyroid plays an important role in metabolism and also. Uh, if you're on sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, or testosterone, it can sometimes raise what's called sex hormone binding globulin, which can also deactivate some thyroid hormones. So that's why you never want to over treat. And then you want to periodically make sure you're checking everything and redosing accordingly, you know, because other factors can play in this too, where patients change their diet. They're less inflamed. They're less stressed. So. Cortisol level will fluctuate, and now they're able to make more hormones. You know, it gets back to the personalization of hormone replacement therapy. It fluctuates on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis, and it really requires monitoring and understanding what you're doing to sort of tweak everything.
0: Mm -hmm. You keep saying cortisol. That's your stress hormone, right? I feel like that's what I've heard it referred to as.
1: Yeah. There's this phenomenon, uh, adrenal fatigue, that's out there, and it's fairly well documented. I think it's controversial how we treat it. I don't get crazy in testing cortisol but cortisol is clearly a stress hormone and if you look at the hormone cascade you know all of these hormones sort of interplay with each other and based upon certain scenarios whether it's enzyme activation enzyme deactivation stress levels toxins in the body heavy metals things like that it can affect the way we synthesize and make hormones and it's it's really hard to figure out based upon blood work but the idea is that These certain environments can really affect your hormone on a, I don't want to say daily basis, but weekly, monthly, yearly basis. So it's important to be monitoring patients that are on hormones. They don't need, there's not a one size fits all treatment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what are the benefits to having all of your hormones balanced?
1: You know, the biggest thing I hear is just improvement of all aspects of life. My classic patient is a female who's perimenopausal and is complaining of fatigue and lack of libido that's affecting her personal relationships with her spouse or boyfriend and lack of sleep which is affecting you know her ability to work and provide for her family or or even with men with, with very similar types of symptoms and you you balance hormones in these patients and then they have more energy they have more motivation to start working out again they tend to be more in tune with eating appropriate diets and listening to recommendations for that. And it can really help patients change their life and, in my opinion, live longer and live a healthier life. So, you know, the, the benefits are really numerous yeah. and affect all aspects of life.
0: Absolutely. I just hear stories all the time, all these success stories, and it just makes me so happy that... <laughs> It actually works so well that it literally is changing people's lives.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, is there anything additional you would like to add?
1: You know, I think we hit on a lot today. The the only thing I would recommend for patients that are listening to this is to find a provider that's done this for a little while. You know, I've done this for going on eight, nine years. And my learning curve, you know, in the beginning was very steep and, and dramatic and the longer I do this, the more I continue to learn. And a lot of it is personalization. So it's important. And I've seen cases where patients were mismanaged or overly aggressive with hormones. And I think the message needs to be start low and go slow and make adjustments as needed. But you know, from a patient standpoint, really find someone who's passionate about it and clearly has done the training and put the hours in to learn how to do this because no doctor in medical school or residency or no nurse practitioner was ever taught anything about this. And uh, so just be careful in the providers that you choose. Find someone that has a passion for it, but also has put in a lot of time and has been doing it for years because you're going to get much better results and it's going to be a heck of a lot safer. Put in the effort to find that provider.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think we all tell people all that too, and then just finding someone, like I said earlier, that you trust and yeah. that you can talk to that wants to help you without.
1: Yep, yeah. and I, I've told patients in these podcasts and things before, and over social media, that find a provider or a physician that also addresses other aspects of your life and is not just a standalone hormone clinic, because as we as we alluded to you know during this conversation diet exercise sleep all of those stress management all of those things are just as important as giving somebody hormones in order for the benefits to be there you really need to address all of those issues at once
0: it's so much more than just hormones
1: you got it yep
0: Well, thank you again for joining me, Dr. Ambrose. If you all would like to learn more or about his clinic, Performance Medical Clinic, please visit performancemedicalclinic.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Performance Medical Clinic. Thank you again, Dr. Ambrose. I've enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs)